Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, last week we started out with a bad take dramatic reading. Excellent work by you in the reading role, the performing role. This week, can we just start out by you telling me about your week in the real world? You just like tell me all the stuff you did like outside of the confines of your New York City apartment just so that I can like kind of live vicariously through you. Well, I uh, I was actually not in my New York City apartment this week, right? I am. So I there am, you go. We're already different. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm in California for for a few weeks. Got, you know, a couple couple weddings to go to. Just just adult things. It's that time of life. I guess <laughs> it's that time. It's that time of growing up, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, I've been enjoying the the California sun. It's hot as hell here. It was not nearly uh, this hot in summers when I was growing up, which is cool. That bodes well. I I got in and out, right? I mean, like that's kind of the big one. I checked that box once I landed uh, at the airport, as per usual. As per usual, that's my uh, my routine, my stop on the way home. And other than that, you know, drinking lots of <laughs> drinking lots of water. Congratulations on the <laughs> water. You. That's very important. Um, nothing says love like hydration. Um, the reason that I'm so interested in hearing about your week and maybe the the to the listener the mundane tasks that you've been up to, like drinking water and getting in and out. Um, that's not mundane. That's very exciting. Yeah. Um, the I reason just I'm listing like ba- basic necessities of survival: <laughs> food, I, water. Right. I have. Did you also some. breathe oxygen? Or <laughs> you know, with the way my allergies are right now, probably not as much. Not as very I, much. As I should. <laughs> the reason I'm so intrigued by your normal activities is because I didn't leave the apartment really, except to take out the dog why when is, necessary. Why, why is that, Bobby? It's because I indeed. As I mentioned last week on the podcast, what was very likely to test positive for COVID, I indeed did test positive for COVID. And um, the last week I have had COVID, it um, hasn't been very fun. So I apologize in advance if this podcast um, is maybe maybe slightly less polished and prepped than some of our other episodes have been in the past. There will be two reasons for that. Number one is I have COVID and didn't leave the apartment all week. So I'm, you know, my verve for life and to be entertaining is maybe a little bit lower than in past episodes. And number two, Alex, number two is that I am now going on 72 hours without coffee. 72 hours without coffee. This is the first time I've gone a full day without coffee in four years. Four years. That's remarkable. Do you want to know why? It's not because I'm trying to take care of myself and sleep better at night. That's not the reason. No. No. The reason is because coffee, I lost my taste. When my taste slightly came back, coffee tastes like shit to me. Oh, no. No. Yes. So if if my taste buds don't come back, 
there is a decent chance that we might just end this podcast. This is this is your new normal. Is that what you're saying? I don't think that I could be the host of Tipping Pitches without a lot of espresso. So, <laughs> you know, I need some whoever is at home to say some kind of homeopathic prayer for me or something like that. I'm going to do some manifesting right now. My deep sympathies got to anybody listening to this who has had COVID. It's probably many of you since it has basically infected most everybody I know at least once or twice by this point in the pandemic. Um, I have been watching a little bit of baseball here and there, New York Metropolitans. I doubt that you have been watching any baseball, but that's okay because we're going to talk about something that we know how to talk about without even watching it. It's how owners treat minor leaguers. We are also going to answer a bunch of listener questions at the end of this episode. But before we do all of that, I am Bobby Wagner. I am Alex Baisley. And you are listening to Tipping Pitches. Alex, I think everybody knows what spring training is, right? That's safe to say. Everybody listening to this probably has a good grasp on the concept of spring training. Right. You agree? Best, best shape of his life month is really what it is. Right. And it's when we, you know, break our baseball fast, so to speak. It's when we finally see major leaguers back on a field playing major league baseball, pitchers and catchers. You know, we come out of our long, cold winter. Um, I think fewer people know what extended spring training is. And I'm not even really sure that I know exactly what they do there for that whole time. But extended spring training, Alex, it's a little bit, it's a little bit less well known. It's um it's where they keep the rest of the players who do not make the major league roster who they want to continue to observe and continue to give give more acute training than they would get at their minor league facilities. All of that to say it's a, it's a demanding time for a young player who is still trying to make their way in the game of baseball who is still trying to make an impression on their organization. Um the least that you could give those players in my view <laughs> <laughs> would be a little bit of money for their time at that extended spring training. Do you agree with this? It's controversial. But yes, I generally think compensating people for their labor is a is a net positive, right? Uh you know, I mean, I know I'm I'm really pro unpaid internships, right? I it's what it's what made you who you are today. Right, exactly. It was that grit, it was that grind. Do you ever have an unpaid internship? I should know better than to ask sidebar questions right now. I don't think so. I don't think labor, so. Labor it's, King Alex Baisley turned down any internship that was unpaid. <laughs> well, I mean, kind of, right? Because if I'm going to dedicate my time to uh, working for someone, I'm going to need to be able to pay for things every once in a while. Right. Even if that only means breaking even from spending it all on Starbucks and avocado toast. <laughs> right, exactly. To to get you through. Um, yeah, so you and I agree that players at extended instructional spring training should receive money. Um, up until a couple of years ago, not a single MLB club agreed with that, their thought. And that has changed alongside some of the improvements to minor league labor. Um and the spotlight that has been on teams in the last few years. But it hasn't changed for the A's, Angels, Brewers, Marlins, and Reds, who still are not paying their players for spring trading, according to an article from Evan Drellick, which cites the much-discussed nonprofit on tipping pitches, Advocates for Minor Leaguers. 
where do we start with this? Because it's a reversal, it's a recent reversal of a trend. So it's not like these teams are so far out of line that they're back in the 1950s or anything like that. But the thing that strikes me as so interesting about the collection of teams that are still left not paying their minor leaguers during spring training is that it's the exact five teams that you would expect it to be. Yeah, it's really not shocking whatsoever. And I want to co- correct the the record just slightly. Um, I know you said they were unpaid, which which isn't entirely true. They would get a uh, they'd get a they'd get a nice little Andrew Jackson every day for for <laughs> dinner, twenty bucks. Oh, sorry. But but somehow that's worse. <laughs> It's not that they just refuse to give you any money. It's that they give you money and they try to make believe that that is enough money to do anything relevant with. Yes, exactly. The thinking being that, well, you really just need to, to eat. As we were talking up top, right? There, there are very few necessities in life. One of those being uh, eating food every day for the most part. And so if, you, if the, you're providing these players with, with breakfast and lunch, as many teams do, then you just got to take care of their dinner and they'll be golden, right? I, those are really the only things I spend money on at all. The part that is so galling about it to me is that you're asking them to be somewhere else also. So like you're asking them to be in Florida or Arizona. So they're already not in the comfort of their own home or their hometown. And then you're just throwing them 20 bucks a, a day to eat as if they, they don't need to do anything else to be human beings. It's just like, feed yourself so you don't die and then come play baseball tomorrow. They don't have cars there. They don't have... $20 is not going to get you anywhere significant and back on Uber if you're trying to eat on that $20 as well. And... Man, I know I said this already, but it's it's really the exact five teams that you would expect. And when I say that, I don't mean necessarily that it's the five cheapest owners or the five worst owners or the five most immoral franchises. Is What I mean by that is it's the five teams, maybe with the exception of the Brewers, they're slightly surprising to me. It's the, it's the five teams or four of those five teams that you look at and you say, this is organizational dysfunction. These are teams that don't invest in not only just the health and well-being and respect of their employees and minor leaguers, but in developing good baseball players and, right. and creating good baseball teams. The A's, the A's, Angels, Marlins, and Reds, those four teams sell themselves short by doing stuff like this. And if the other 25 teams in baseball have looked at it and said, Oh, it's actually a good thing for me to invest more money in the players that are here so that they can focus more on what they're actually here for, what we actually flew them out for. Then I don't I don't really understand. It's not like it's a make or break amount of money for these organizations. Extended spring training is not very long. It wouldn't be the same as saying you have to pay all of your minor leaguers fair wages 24/7 365. Well, and the other upsetting part of this story which evan points out is that extended spring training is very heavily populated 
by Latin American players, right? So a lot of these are like literal kids, right? Teenagers who have who are just arriving in the United States with very little in the way of any sort of safety net or anything like that, right? Already having to overcome like the just the cultural barriers that come along with moving to another country, right? And it's it's these kids that are literally being hung out to dry by by their teams, right? Because when a part of your business model is recruiting, let's say, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, young men out the of... The Dodgers would love to call it that. <laughs> In a legal setting. Right. And have a judge not dismiss it. <laughs> when, when you are consistently getting, getting these young men in Latin American countries to come play baseball for you, you are taking on the role of being that kind of great connector for them, right? You, they are, many major league teams are, you know, act as kind of that, that one piece of stability that can help them acclimate to their new homes and, and, you know, interface with the, with the broader world. And so when you are literally not paying these guys, right, forcing them to make decisions about whether they can have dinner that night or if they should buy groceries for the next night or buy gas if they have a car or or take an Uber if they don't you know like every day you get one decision that you get to make you know about where your money is going to go and it's i mean it's cruel right like it's it's inhuman and it's setting up a lot of these kids for failure, right? It, I mean, it's just another example of how untenable it is for many, many people to even try and play baseball, right? Because it's not, it's, it's not a system, it's not an environment that is actually willing to support them, uh, you know, on the at the lowest levels of the game. Yeah, and we should also say like the organizations that are quote unquote paying these these players for extended spring training, they're giving them like a few hundred dollars a week. It's not it's right. not like they're giving them enough money to feel comfortable and secure in their role within the organization. They're giving them like four hundred dollars a week. So it's not it's not like everybody else is really crushing it and these five organizations are just the last few to kind of jump on the bandwagon. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is that there's a player in here, and I think it speaks to what you're talking about. There's a player in here who compares it to the Hunger Games, that only, you know, a couple people are gonna make it out of this situation. And this like scarcity mindset that it reinforces when you intentionally add unnecessary roadblocks to success. And I think that honestly, if you got a bunch of old baseball people on this podcast right now, or the owners themselves on this podcast right now, and you gave them Truth serum, whatever that is. For some people, that's a guillotine hanging over their head. For some people, that's tequila. I don't know. If you gave them truth serum, I think that they would say it's a test of their character. Whoever makes it out, that's the one that I want taken at bats for my major league baseball team. And honestly, I think that's such a tired old world mindset that I'm just not really sure. Like the friction of it with how the rest of society 
operates, with how we can actually see windows into these things, with how there are advocacy groups to show us these problems, with how young people understand their worth better than they have in in decades. I don't think that that is a really tenable course of action anymore. And I think that it's obvious when you read an article like this, it's almost hard to talk about it for you and I because it's just so obviously wrong-minded. And so for so many hundreds of reasons, but to turn on our like manager speak, the the first reason is that they're not going to play well. They're not going to become good baseball players because of this. So yeah, the market inefficiency here is actually treat people better. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. This is what, um, this is what a, a Marlins spoke, spokesperson had to say about this story. He said, we've made significant invest. I want you to try and um, see if you can figure out uh, what this spokesperson is saying. Okay. So we've a made- little mini bad takes dramatic reading right, <laughs> right Right, exactly. We have made significant investments and enhancements for our team members throughout our player development system including a recent increased focus on compensation, housing, nutrition, education, mental health resources, and more. As with any aspect of our business, we're constantly reviewing as to how we can continue to elevate the experience and work environment for all members of our organization. The experience. Right. The experience. This is not like waiting in line at Disney World. This is like whether or not you eat yeah, like like literally life or three death. meals a day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the I experience. Love, ooh, I love we're really the, nice to them when we give them that twenty dollar bill. <laughs> exactly. We give them a handshake afterwards. And we say nice to, job today not to at work. Spend it all in one place. You know. <laughs> I love the I love the line. Significant investments and enhancements for our team members. The team members are the um, owners. Yeah. Oh, I love team members as. Code words for like employees, you know, like yeah. how Starbucks calls their employees partners. Yep. Yeah, we're, you're our partners. <laughs> this is how I treat our partners. Yeah, I'm like, all right, I'll wait for that stock to vest then. <laughs> <laughs> you should get one Starbucks stock for every latte that you or whatever, whatever for every drink that you ever had to remake while on a shift because somebody was <laughs> right. a dick about it. You should get a whole <laughs> stock for that. You know, I. This might be the time to agitate for that, you know. Howard Schultz is is thinking about other things right now. So no, he's on he the ropes, to... is what he is. <laughs> I know. Let's get him. Don't, exactly. don't give up now. Go get that stock, Alex. I'm just trying to picture an alternate world where you still work at Starbucks and you're unionizing one of the one of the Starbucks locations, and I'm just there every day ordering coffee that says "Union Yes, Alex." Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I I mean the thing is right you don't I didn't work there that long and I didn't get to know my partners uh there mm. in, mm. incredibly Did Howard well, Schultz I, ever come and say hey partner thanks for all the hard work you're doing you know unfortunately uh no but I think at the time wasn't he running like, for president running yeah. for president yeah yeah and so we actually we were given like scripts about like what to say you know if someone asks wait, you about wait. really Yes, scripts. Yeah, like a like just a little blurb of this is what you know. Like I, I I don't remember it. No one ever asked me about it. But 
it was something about you know acknowledging that he's n- not with the company and he's a he's a grown man who can make his own decisions. <laughs> grown <know>? man. <laughs> so like, if somebody came in, if I say say someone named Bobby Wagner came into the store and was yeah. like, "Hey, what do you think of Howard Schultz running for president?" Yes, I you would, would have I would to have, you would have a little to look piece at of paper right there. Read a piece of paper, and if you did not read the piece of paper, and there was like a manager there or something, or like a regional manager, they would like sorry to bother you, like stick to the script. <laughs> you're fired if you didn't do that. If you were just know, like, my... no, Howard Schultz is a billionaire dirtbag. We should <laughs> right. I think it probably re- de- depends on what my actual response was, how far <laughs> it strayed from the intended narrative. I don't think actually my managers would have given a shit. I mean, they all hated working there um which you know at tracks but i did like late later on kind of in my tenure like shortly before i before i left i <laughs> did tenure. like your college <laughs> professor i in did my stint with starbucks right exactly i i like kind of joked about unionizing right because we consistently talked about Oh, that's how, how much it, it fucking fucking sucked suck to work there. You know, uh-huh. it was like what that's kind of we... when you start, yeah, slipping it into conversations and then seeing who's like, huh? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are, are you serious? Like, am I? Are you seriously offering? Are you? Like are a, you? Is this? Are you? Did we just become best friends? <laughs> <laughs> playing playing footsie with with potential union members. <laughs> you're just like tapping each other on the shoulder. No, you're joking. No, you're joking. <laughs> No, you're joking. You're like signing the union card. No, you're effing around. Right. What if we... Sending mail to the National Labor Relations Board? <laughs> no, this is such a good bit. What if we What if we unionized in the, in the back room? Ha, JK. <laughs> uh, unless. That's how it starts. That's how it, it started is. for me, too. Someone... Well, it started on the phone for me, but then I, you know, I would take my coworkers down the street... And be like, hey, you want to dra- grab a drink after work? And they'd be like, uh, sure. <laughs> You're awfully chipper. <laughs> and I'd be like, so, sure. Um, there's this definitely is no actually, ulterior motive, right? There's de- yeah, there's actually something else I want to talk to you about. Just like a Jehovah's Witness, but for solidarity. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to minor leaguers <laughs> not getting paid for extended spring training. Anything else to um, add about this before we... Before we go, uh, answer some listener questions, Alex. How do we get them to do it? I mean, again, I think Advocates for Minor Leaguers is doing an incredible job of bringing these sorts of stories to light, right? And even going so far as making compelling cases in court as to why Major League Baseball teams should be fairly compensating minor leaguers, right? And so I think that's really important. and. And at the same time, I think the public element of this, right, of of you know what basically amounts to kind of public shaming, kind of works. Like it has worked in the past, right? When right there, there was the the early days of the pandemic, right? When teams said they they were not going to pay their minor leaguers, and there was so much outrage over that that they reversed course on that, right? Um, obviously in the last year, teams have started providing housing for players as well, right? So it's certainly a a slow drip, right? But this fight almost feels easier given that a majority of the teams already do this, right? Like there's there's almost like no excuse at that point. Yeah. 
I think the thing that for me that really just I find it hard to sit with is that there's no one who can compel these teams to do this on a faster timeline. Yeah. Like Rob Manfred can make teams do a lot of things. He can make primarily he can make players do a lot of things. He can sit down and in an instant he can be like stop using spider tech and then the next week they have rules to enforce so that players are not using spider tech anymore. He can sit down and he can say I want more home runs and then the next week so all of a sudden the ball starts flying out of the ballpark. You know he can do he can do a lot of stuff. He seems to have a lot of power that he occasionally wields from time to time. But what he can't do is call up five of his bosses and say, hey, um, it sucks that the 17-year-old kids who came over um, with a promise and a dream to play Major League Baseball and enrich us eventually in the, in the process. It sucks that those people have to buy Chipotle and store it in their fridge for three days and hope that it doesn't go bad and make them sick. Rob can't make that phone call. That's interesting. It's, it's really kind of interesting to see. I mean, these are a lot of these issues when it comes to just the, the broader economic system of baseball has, has been broken like this for a long time, right? These are, these are issues that go, go back well before Rob Manfred's time. Right. But he is kind of, the one who's sitting in the chair as all of this stuff is kind of unfolding, right? Yeah, he's got to be so pissed, right? He's like, he's gonna be like, serious, Bud Steele sitting in the Hall of Fame while I'm getting shit right, every day. He passed for this. me the hot potato, and now I'm <laughs> caught holding it. You know, like, and so I'd be. I'm, they made him captain the Titanic right after it hit the iceberg. <laughs> exactly. Hey, dude, can you just take the wheel real quick? <laughs> but I think it'll be interesting to see kind of how this informs his legacy right as overseeing the the like actual potential destruction of a lot of elements of this sport right and i certainly i i will will not lose an ounce of sleep over over you know rob manfred's legacy what that that legacy looks like but you have to think he's yeah a little a little peeved by this Right, he's like, guys, I get it. There are some issues. Can we maybe hold them back to like, like bring up like one a year? You know, <laughs> like I know you guys got a laundry list, but like maybe let's pace them out a little bit and then save some for the next guy too. I don't, I don't envy, I don't envy him. That's that's for sure. I don't think he envies us either, though. No, I, don't I think, think he's so. doing just fine. I think he makes like twenty million dollars a year, so. <laughs> Probably okay. All right, Bob let's Manfred could personally personally pay these guys. Wow, and be, and let's be put right. that on a T-shirt. I would I would kill to know what Rob actually makes per year. Yeah, release if Rob's any- tax filings. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone knows, DMs are open. You know, if you yeah. if you interned for him one summer and you, and you weren't you got into <laughs> right. and he called you a partner when he came in. <laughs> Send it our way. We want to know. <laughs> Unionize the MLB commissioner's office. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, listen to our question. Okay, Alex, we are going to rely on the wonderful creative input of our listeners because... 
You know, I'm still on the men from COVID. You are sniffling up a storm. Got a little hay fever over there and you've been traveling. So we're going to rely on our listeners to round out this episode here. Um, we got a bunch of great questions in the Slack. We got a bunch of great questions on Twitter. If you would like to submit questions for the podcast without any prerequisite for us calling for questions, that's totally fine too. Please um, DM us on Twitter, tipping underscore pitches. Uh, we're probably more likely to see it if you drop it in our Slack in the podcast mailbag. Um, in the podcast mailbag Slack channel. Uh, you can get access to the Slack by signing up for our Patreon. If you don't know, uh, it's patreon.com backslash tipping pitches. Any tier of the Patreon gets you access to our Slack for life. We will not kick you out if you have to drop off the Patreon for a couple months here and there. That's totally fine. You're, once you're in, you're in. Um, you can also email us tippingpitchespod at gmail.com or call into our voicemail and we'll play your voicemail, your question, live on the air, recorded on the air, 785-422-5881. Okay, let's do it. Slack questions first. Alexis wants to know what is the best time for a baseball game? Day of the week and time. The ideal time for baseball, Alex. Do I have to choose a time that there are actually games? <laughs> like, can I pick a can I pick like Friday at 3 a.m.? Right. The baseball at that point would be it's, amazing. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. When the when the um A's and Mariners opened up in Japan and yeah. you, <laughs> you were up at like three in the morning. <laughs> watching them blow leads in yeah, the seventh that was, inning. That was, that was pretty tough. Yeah, I would call that maybe not ideal. But what's the best time for you? I personally love day games, 1 p.m. starts, especially on a weekday, which like I I can't do very much because, again, I'm, I, I do have a job that doesn't allow me to work remotely from Yankee Stadium yet. Are you sure that it doesn't? Like if you had no I, you know, calls, I, I technically you could do it. Asked, right? Yeah, you could do it. You got a small little team there; they're understanding. Yeah, exactly. And I, you're taking a call with your boss, and then in the background, somebody's like, "Go fuck yourself." <laughs> Aaron Judge Shirt, MVP. Shirtless, shirtless men in the back of the Zoom. <laughs> but I, I love, I love weekday games because they are a little more sparsely populated. It just feels the aura there just feels a little bit more relaxed. You can usually spread out a little bit. I mean, the flip side of this is you could also just go to an A's game and it doesn't matter <laughs> the, the time of day or the day of the week. Does this answer differ for you, whether it's in person or on TV? I feel like I like going to a day game during the weekend because it sort of feels like you're like stealing a little bit of time back from your employer by being there yeah. during the week too. But when you're doing it on the weekend, it's like that's on your time, which is fine too. But it's not it's not something not quite as satisfying about it. But does this answer differ for you for a game that you're watching on TV? Oh, definitely. I mean, I being out here on on the West Coast, you oh know, for God, a few weeks, and so far superior, and and having grown up watching baseball up out here, it's. It's so great. I love waking up and getting an alert that a game is going to start in like 15 minutes or whatever, yep. you know? Mm -hmm. Like I get to start my day with baseball. Yep. It's amazing. Now, obviously, you you miss some of the joys of, of late night baseball that you get out on the East Coast, but that's that's fine. That's a trade I'm I'm willing to make. So, okay, now ever since I started working from home, 
I much prefer games to start much earlier. Yeah. Because then I can just put it on to the side of whatever I'm doing at home and, and it can be like completely non-intrusive to whatever is going on. And I used to really value, and I still do, I, I still like a, a West Coast game that starts at 10 or whatever and it's like a really nice matchup and you stay up late with the West Coasters and they're like, oh, look at my East Coast brethren staying up to watch this game. I love that. But I don't love it as much as I did like say when I was in college when I was just staying up that late anyway. <laughs> right Now right. I have to like stay up intentionally for the game and therefore I'm not like as sharp as I as I used to be during these uh-huh. games. Like if the game was not that exciting when the Mets were on their 10 game West Coast road trip, I was asleep by the seventh inning on the couch. Yeah. And sometimes even when it was exciting, you know, I'd wake up to the Mets like walking off the Dodgers and be like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. It's so, I mean, we've, we've talked before about kind of baseball as a baseball as the kind of, you know, second screen sport, right? It's a, it's a wonderful thing to like just mm-hmm. have on while you're doing other stuff. And like you were saying, having games that are played throughout the day is amazing when i like open up my mlb app and the first game on there is like four or or worse like you know six or seven or something like that dark I'm like, times what the, what the fuck is this man we're supposed to do focus on work yeah what stop stop no you're just gonna go to twitter <laughs> right i'm just gonna watch highlights from last night like fuck that i'll say okay so alexis in the slack who asked this question said i love midweek games at noon local time so that's kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and they also said, I love a Friday night game. Now, I love a Friday night game too, if I'm going with a group of friends. But I'll say, Friday nights at like City Field, for example, kind of a weird energy. A lot of like high school kids took the Long Island Railroad in for Friday yeah, night games for yeah. whatever reason. They're like, as soon as they got out of school, they're coming into the city. Ooh, let's go crazy. And it's, um, it's, a, it's a weird crowd, Friday night at Mets games. Uh, Saturday and Sunday are much more reliable crowds at City Field yeah. if you're if you're uh, making the trek out. Uh, okay, next question. Mu Yabi asks your go-to ballpark snack, any food and drink, and your fave your favorite food item that you've had at a ballpark. Uh, anyone who knows me knows that my go-to snack is a big old bucket of popcorn. Yep, I destroy those things. Except not like you eat half of it, and then you're like, right. is it, "Can somebody please help me finish this? I'm dying here. Butter is. I'm sweating butter. Right. By I know. The sixth I mean, thinning. It's, it's especially bad if it is like a like a like a hot day, and the popcorn yeah. is like really salty. Oh and yeah, and you're just drying like, yourself out like SpongeBob when he goes right, to Sandy's. Yeah, like exactly. Little I'm like house. chugging, chugging water. The beer is not helping my cause whatsoever you are not chugging water no that is such a lie you have never chugged water at a baseball game wow put me on blast i will i know your mom listens to this podcast so she can maybe compel you and shame you for not hydrating well (laughs) enough we started this podcast by talking about how important it is to drink water alex that's true that's true so that's that's my go-to snack um also if sunflower seeds are there i i will partake just more salt just salt everywhere. <laughs> Gums are bleeding. Yeah. By the time the closer comes into the game. <laughs> um, I I honestly I think a lot of ballpark snacks are actually kind of overrated. Oh yeah, here we go. Like, Put Cracker Jack in the ground, brother. Yeah, honestly, bury it. Cracker Jack's like it's actually something that has grown on me 
a little bit as an adult, but mm-hmm. it still is kind of like, I don't know. It's so sweet and, and rich. Yeah. That it feels a little like too indulgent to like mm-hmm. eat at a, at a baseball game. Uh, just peanuts. Incredibly mid. I'm sorry to anyone oh. who, who likes peanuts, but I just, so, they're inconvenient to eat. <laughs> I mean, I suppose it's good because it forces you to pace yourself because you have you have like one every minute, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think it's much more about the ritual of cracking them right. open and eating them, right? And as someone who who loves, you just said you seeds, like sunflower. I, I yeah, it. exactly. I get it. I do. I do. I just sunflower I, seeds are different, though. That's like you're showing off by eating sunflower seeds. You're like, oh, I can, I can put a bunch of sunflower seeds in my mouth and crack one open yeah. at a time. I mean, that's well, just it's like, also you probably play baseball if you do that. It's a hands free activity. Right. That's right. The, with with peanuts. You're, you you need your hands for live bedding hand. and those kinds of things. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> what about you? What is your go-to snack? I'm not much of a snacker. I'm there to eat a meal. You know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not like, oh, let's get some popcorn. I'm like, oh, let's get a sausage. Right. <laughs> um, but if I had to, if I had to choose one snack. I guess there would probably be sunflower seeds. I, I've been known to stress eat sunflower seeds during baseball games. Like if the Mets make the playoffs, I'm like a like a bag of sunflower seeds a night kind of guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Be like, talk about like drying yourself out. Um, on the night of the Chase Utley slide against Ruben Tejada in 2015, I blame sunflower seeds as well as... Um, I believe it was a uh, Modelo, <laughs> 10 Modelos and a whole bag of sunflower seeds. You try staying sober and not tweeting that Chase Utley should go fuck himself after that. Um, a lot no, of really unhinged tweets in the early days of that Twitter account. Cause yeah. we had access to no, it. That was from the personal dog. I was just like, no, I need everybody to know this one's attached to me. <laughs> yeah, that was tough. We shouldn't have been allowed to have access to, to Twitter during college. Most of the time, it was just us tweeting like really dumb jokes that got like six likes. Yeah. Um, yeah, but my go-to food, my go-to food at the ballpark, like for a meal, is chicken tenders and fries. City Field has some killer chicken tenders and fries. I don't. Individual items don't really stand out to me. There's like a fuku yeah. sandwich at City Field that's really good that I've had a couple times. I got barbecue at. Oh, I, I will say I got barbecue at Kansas City, at Kauffman Stadium, and it was really good. That's probably the one that I would choose for individual item. Yeah. Garlic fries at the Giants Stadium. Really good. They know what they're doing there. Okay. Garlic fries at Giants Stadium. I've never had them. They might be great. Garlic fries at Dodger Stadium. I'm sorry to all my Dodgers homies out there. They're bad. Dodger Stadium food sucks. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm not even Come trying for the Dodger dog. Let's uh, go. The Dodger dogs. Okay. Dodger <laughs> dogs are like really hit and miss. If they're fresh, First of all, they changed them just recently. So I think a lot of like true Dodgers fans are with me on this one. But if they're fresh and like the bun is good, then it's then it's okay. It's a it's a good stadium hot dog. But like seven out of ten times, you get like a stale bun and the hot dog is not that hot. And I'm just like, what am I eating here? What is yeah. this log of processed meat <laughs> that doesn't even taste that good? Why am I doing this? And the fries there are just they're not good. I'm like a I'm like not a French fry snob for sure. I'll eat any French fries anywhere and usually enjoy them. But the fries there, they taste like cardboard. So 
<laughs> Sorry to the Dodgers concessions. <laughs> Sorry to their fans, but their 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 stadium is some of the worst at any ballpark I've ever been to. I'm not I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's one of the worst things. It's probably the worst thing about Dodger Stadium. Everything yeah. else they got to figure it out. <laughs> it goes stadium you had to, you concessions had to down a peg a bit. Yeah, it goes stadium concessions and the fact that they don't have never heard of an escalator in that entire city. <laughs> Just they're like, oh, this was built in the 1940s. Um, okay. Next question. Becca asks, if you were in a benches clearing brawl, well, first of all, Becca says, hi, Bobby and Alex. Thanks, Becca. Hi, Becca. If you were in a benches clearing brawl and opted to reignite the brawl by launching a pallet of snacks across the field, what snacks would you launch? (laughs) Well, see, we may have just answered this question, right? I would probably launch peanuts because they suck. (laughs) I would launch Dodger Stadium garlic fries. (laughs) Even if I'm in like Great American Ballpark, I'm like, somebody get me some Dodger Stadium fries to throw. I mean, I so this is obviously a a reference to the the incredible brawl that happened in today's Angels Mariners game. We're recording this on Sunday as usual. Uh and and Rysel Iglesias, after the two teams had dispersed and gone back to their dugouts, uh, he was still quite heated. And Threw a crate of of little bags of sunflower seeds onto the field. Do we know why he did that? Like what? Like what was he? What was the message he was trying to send? Mm. Like here, you take these fucking things, right? Yeah. Were sunflower seeds an integral part of the dialogue that was going on between those two teams? Oh, for sure. I like the. Like, this no, took- the, the best flavor is dill pickle. <laughs> right, exactly. Like was like, Where no, is the cracked pepper? Cracked black pepper. <laughs> um, they had some truly horrifying sunflower seeds, sunflower seed flavors growing up. Like, remember cheddar? Yeah. That was tough. That was tough, man. Come on. Come on. I actually liked ranch. I saw you taking a shot at ranch on Twitter with your little jokes. Ranch is is fine. It was very common growing up. You know, it was like it was oftentimes. Oh it was wow! Like, so you're sorry. What I'm like a noob or something? Yeah, yeah. Wow, this guy likes ranch. It's real original. It was just like a lot for yeah. me. Like I don't know. It was like almost too flavorful. Like I kind of appreciate the more subtler uh, flavors of sunflower seeds. Right when when like your fingers aren't like caked in powder after eating them and yeah. and i think that was my that was my beef with ranch a little bit our but, coaches used to get so mad at us if we were playing bad and we had like fancy flavors of sunflower seeds i remember my one coach would just be like it's because of these damn sunflowers you're too focused on the sunflower seeds and he made like, all you, of us he made all of us spit all of the sunflower seeds out all at the same time before going onto the field <laughs> one tournament <laughs> that's that's good that's a good bit on his part yeah, and it happened again another time with bubble gum. Like one coach had brought some double bubble for everybody to like get into, like you know, like your big leaguers, and I think a couple kids had big league chew. Yeah, and um, big league chew is a wild concept, by the way, a wild concept. We're like, oh, you can just have a little kid imitate chewing tobacco. Yeah, like, all right. <laughs> um, and my coach, we went out in the first sitting. We were all chewing on the the double bubble and the big league chew. And we just played the worst inning of baseball you've ever seen. It was just a bunch of errors, like a bunch of walks. We were losing like five nothing after the first inning, and um, came back into the dugout, and he was like, "Get rid of the damn gum now." We were like ten. 
Um, really teaching you about responsibility there. Yeah. I don't think the the brawl was about sunflower seeds. I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say that that was the first thing that Rysela Iglesias could grab that he could yeah. throw. That was not like an item of somebody else's. And I think right. you'd be pretty pissed. Like, I think Mike Trout would be pretty pissed if Rysela Iglesias threw all of his bats onto the field. Mike Trout would be like, you're just going to have to go get those because I need those because right. I'm Mike yeah. Trout. <laughs> Do you have any other answer to this question? Because, what because snack I'm, would I throw on the field? What snack would you throw? Because I'm trying to think of things that would normally be found in a baseball dugout fries might be one of them chicken wings and beer if you're the red Sox, (laughs) right um i don't know like are there snacks right in the dugout other than sunflower seeds i guess that's the only answer that you could reasonably say in a legitimate way but i mean i would throw something that would be harder to clean up you know i'd i'd want to make more of a scene if i'm going to throw something onto the field i want it to take some time to clean up yeah you get those groundskeepers man they've had yeah. their guard down too long they're sitting on their high horses a little too much for me <laughs> recently Ground, groundskeepers come on no i get like, it you can do the ymca the slushy machine onto the field <laughs> right yeah it like spills out and like freezes the dirt and they're like out there like hosing it down <laughs> Well, I, w- I mean, I was I was thinking like as as someone who like doesn't drink a ton of like Gatorade or like Powerade, like I just don't really wow like so it. you hate electrolytes. Yeah, oh boy, I do. Yeah, like like that might be something that I would throw out there. Like if like a big old uh, cooler of Powerade. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and. Or Gatorade, no free ads. Right. (laughs) And maybe try and like get it on the dirt, you know, like leave a little mark, right? So when they, when they do the, the the like overhead shot of the field or whatever, there's just like a little, a little blob of blue right next to the third base bag. That's pretty good. I can't remember who it was, but I feel like it was someone on the Phillies. I I just, Aaron Rowand is in my head. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm right about this, but (laughs) I know, right? That's, that's how you know I grew up in the greater Philadelphia area. <laughs> but got tossed from a game one time. And it could have been Ryan Madsen. Now I'm just remembering some guys from the late 2000s Phillies. Yeah. Um, but they got tossed from a game one time and threw a water cooler onto the field. And it was kind of, it was kind of badass. <laughs> as far as throwing stuff on the field goes. Yeah. As far as throwing temper tantrums go. You can really like clutch your pearls about this. If you're throwing stuff onto the field after you get tossed, you're like, oh, it's dangerous. It's teaching the kids the wrong thing. Rysel Iglesias. 10 game right. suspension minimum. I mean, to be clear, it's, it's pretty stupid. Even oh, yeah. more stupid, I think, to do it after the brawl is is over. Oh, you know? so you like want them you... to throw it during the brawl. I like that. <laughs> Use it as a weapon. Okay. Right. Like start pelting the other team with, with little with, with like individ- individual peanuts or whatever. Like, take that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Go to the slushy machine and make snowballs out of them. Just throw them <laughs> at the other team. See, brawls would instantly become so much more entertaining. Teams would start getting other snacks in the dugout just in case there was a brawl. Like you have better stuff. Right. To it's throw. your arsenal. <laughs> You're crunching up peanuts in your hand and throwing them on top of people. Right. Like uh chewing some bubble gum and then uh and then like sticking sunflower seeds in or like like out or, like, of it all around. It around you know? yeah. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. Um, thank you for the question, Becca. It's much appreciated. Give us a reason to talk about that brawl. 
inspired m- more uh, more thoughts about this than I think I I originally <laughs> thought I had. Um. Okay, let's move to a couple Twitter questions. The first one comes from dear friend of the pod, Mike Schubert. Hi, Mike. I just got to say, the Yankees... I'm saying this because Mike is a big Yankees fan. The Yankees continue to just shock and amaze me. Aaron Judge, walk-off home run today, his 28th of the year. It's just... I don't think it could be going any better for the Yankees. Is this attempt? Is this an attempt to reverse jinx them? You're damn right it is. You're damn right it is, Alex. Mike asks... Maybe this question is a reverse jinx in and of itself for asking a question like this to us, Alex. Uh Mike asks, under what circumstances do you think the wave is allowed? Mike says, I think any delay of game or if the game is enough of a blowout that position players can pitch. That's when he thinks the wave is allowed. What do you think, Alex? It may not come as much of a surprise to the listeners of this podcast that that neither you nor I are Big fans of the wave. Sometimes it sometimes it impresses. We'll say you and I were at a game once at, at Yankee Stadium, no less, where the wave went around like I think like six or seven times, like without without stopping, like continuous. You know, by the third or fourth time, I was like, I'm actually kind of in on this now. You know, I this is, this is actually solidarity, right? I'm like, this is a it's like a this is standing side by side by your in, brothers and sisters, right? Exactly, it's a psychological <laughs> study. You know, yeah. I I like Mike's assessment of any sort of delay in the game, right? Mm-hmm. Like, say during an umpire review. Or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna have some time to do that. I mean, obviously, the problem with something like that is, is oftentimes people are captivated by what the outcome of of the call would be, right? right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying not to be a downer and say that it's just not acceptable, but I am having trouble coming up with specific moments in which I am like pro wave or at least not as staunchly anti wave, you know? I'll tell you when the wave is allowed, Alex. During here, the national here, anthem. Here's <laughs> Wow. Okay, wait. That's <laughs> number two. That's number <laughs> number one. Here's the second time the wave is allowed. Amazing work by you. Amazing. This is why we do a podcast together. Why it's not just one of us. <laughs> here's the second time the wave is allowed. If you're at a little league game. <laughs> Great. Have fun. So exciting. Everybody do the wave. Oh, yeah. A bunch of kids. So exciting. If you're in a Major League Baseball game, just watch the game. You paid $75 to sit where you're sitting. Okay? You didn't pay $75 to every 45 seconds stand up and go, woo. Nope. Nope. You want to do that? Go to an amusement park. Go to a Little League game. That's my assessment. That is my assessment of when you're allowed to do the wave. During the National Anthem, as Alex said... <laughs> I will you, or will God you bless please, America or God please, bless America. right? Or God bless America. Will you please do this with me the next time we're yes. we're there for the national anthem? I mean, maybe it depends on the crowd, right? <laughs> I'm kind of afraid of what I don't know. That I really w- actually want to do that, especially at a Mets game or something like that. You know, or a Yankees game, or a Yankees game. Someone might place you under citizen's arrest if you do that. Yep, <laughs> In yeah. the wrong part of Yankee Stadium. Yeah, I mean, I got scolded for for not stopping to listen to the national anthem at a Mets game while in the team store. So like I've, <laughs> if they can get you there, they'll get you anywhere. What did you say? <laughs> I didn't, I didn't even know how, how to respond. I think I would just kind of 
like chuckled nervously, you know. <laughs> you should have kneeled, like, like walked away. <laughs> should have silently, and like, solemnly <laughs> kneeled and put done the Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> yeah, that I actually. Oh, thank you for reminding me, Neil. They they may have kicked me out if I had done that. <laughs> okay, thanks for asking, Mike. Um, I appreciate your optimism and your acceptance of all people who do the wave. We are we're not like that here. No, I know. I mean, I the wave is something I really struggle with because I <laughs> I. I <laughs> I'm just gonna go in on the wave right now. This podcast is already quite unhinged. We talked about my, Bro, t- my time at Starbucks for like five minutes there. Please think about every action that you've taken in your life that has led you, the multiverse of actions that have led you to this moment to say, I struggle with the wave <laughs> in earnest on a podcast 3,000 miles away from your co-host <laughs> sitting in a room by yourself. I struggle with the wave. Right. Deep, it, deep down. It hits me to my core of the wave. It, it poses a, an interesting moral Moral question. Quandary. Right? Yeah. yeah. No, not question. Quandary. Because <laughs> on the one hand, I I don't enjoy it and oftentimes find it uh, annoying and and distracting, right? And then also, I'm probably in the minority of that, right? When you're at a baseball game and the wave starts doing it, a majority of the people there partake in it, right? So It's kind of the whole, yeah, that's kind of the... This is the rub. <laughs> the, the, if a the majority of, of people it, yeah. don't, then it doesn't happen. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. We're we we try to be a, a big tent podcast, right? How how do we reach across the aisle with this one? No, no. Is it this is our this is our line? No, because if you compromise who you are this easily, then then who are you? That's so I know <laughs> you. That's so profound, bro. It's Bong once. If you compromise who you are, then who are you? <laughs> no, we're a Big Ten podcast about things that actually matter. This doesn't actually <laughs> <Right>. matter. We're <laughs> not actually like kicking people out of the game for doing this. Yeah, we're just sitting in our seats, just booing loud enough for us and the six people around us to hear, so everybody knows how cool we are. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um. Anything else to add about the wave? I mean, we're already going for ten minutes about it, so you might as well just get it I'm all sure, out now. I'm sure something will will come to me. I'm going to do some meditating on this tonight when I sleep. Imagine you're just sitting on the subway and someone starts to wave. Why? Why? Yeah. Why? That's just as appropriate of a place to do that. There's people. You're all lined up. It would be just as easy. You just start the wave on the subway. Then no, you would never do that because it's absurd. It's an absurd yeah, thing to do. You'd get your shit kicked in. Yeah. Maybe not that far. <laughs> don't to, we don't need to beat people up over it, Alex. Come on. I'm not. I'm not condoning. You, you I'm just might saying. get pelted with a, be- a stray bag of sunflower seeds. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! I hope this podcast is even approaching listenable because I'm having fun. I hope you're having fun too. <laughs> uh, okay. Next question comes from Brittany. Brittany asks for Pride Night hits and misses, Alex. So an obvious hit was uh, the Mets Pride Night at City Field, which happened this past week, I believe, um, and and featured a couple players who were very, very vocal about their support of, of Pride and the LGBTQ community. Pitcher Taiwan Walker spent some time in the team store during the Pride Night um, and offered to pay for anyone's uh purchase of pride themed Mets apparel. 
uh, and he's been very, very vocal about his support uh, on social media, and as well as just kind of in, in and around the the clubhouse, that sort of thing. Mark Canna is the other one that's that's noted cool guy, Mark Canna, cool as hell, who spoke at at length with Andy Martino over over at SNY about the state of LGBTQ acceptance in major league baseball and kind of how, how he sees pride night as, you know, being a really important force for, for good that teams can kind of take part in. And he had a lot of really interesting things to say about kind of the, the power that, comes with having this sort of platform, right? And the responsibility that athletes have to make their voices known on this on this sort of thing. I I encourage everyone to go and go and read the interview because it's really it's really fascinating. The link is in the description, but I but I just want to read a brief excerpt from from their conversation. This is Andy Martino, known scribe of the LGBTQ movement. <laughs> Andy Martino. Thank you, based Andy Martino. <laughs> Good God. The cursed words. So he, he talks about, you know, trying to have discussions with, with teammates uh, about queer acceptance and the difficulty of that sort of thing happening in a league like Major League Baseball that is very conservative, very very buttoned up very that takes a lot of its ideals from half a century ago right um but he kind of he kind of talked about that process what it means to have discussions like that with your with your teammates and and why the the conversations are are tough and why they're not always received well um but he initially talks about you know, trying to meet people where they are, not being combative um, in these discussions. Uh, and as the conversation went on, he he kind of flipped that a little bit. He he went back on that and said, you know, I do think if you want progress, you should be combative. Um, he said it makes me angry, but I know there's only so much I can do about it. It's something that uh, I want to be militant and combative about because I think it deserves that and it needs that. But at the same time, it's like, how far am I going to get? That's where you draw the fine line, and that's where we are as a country. And I really admire his kind of real-time uh, reflection and kind of yeah. growth in mm-hmm. his stance, right? Because we are at that point where the peaceful protest, right, the, the, the nice, friendly, sit-down chat is not going to get you very far. And you see Mark kind of recognizing this as he's having this discussion with Andy. And I really, I really admire his, his candidness throughout this whole conversation, but specifically that understanding of the, the urgency of this, right? The, that sometimes acceptance actually takes a fight. And that as an athlete, he does bear some of that responsibility for, you know, being a leader in in his community. So I shouts out Mark Hanna and Taiwan Walker. Yeah, I think it's really cool to root for them 
both knowing that the that they take the time to like think about their actions and how they will reverberate throughout the community of Mets fans. Like I think that there is this this view among a certain type of like athlete and a certain type of coach and a certain type of fan that the more like generally accepting you are of everything, the better, you know, like the more tolerant, this idea of tolerance that we have and overuse in America. And I kind of think that that's, that's wrong. I kind of think that that is bullshit. Like you, the more specifically accepting you are of more things, the better, not the more blandly accepting of everybody. It's Kumbaya. Let's all, let's all sit around and sing Kumbaya and then love each other no matter what. Like, are you sure? Are you sure everybody is going to be okay with that? Or are you sure that some people are not just imagining that some people are not a certain way? Because to hit on the misses here for a second, you know, the Rays players thought that they could get away with just kind of not embracing this. But but generally saying, we accept everybody for who they are, but we don't believe that we need to specifically state our acceptance for, you know, the poor way that they phrase this was accept people for this kind of lifestyle. We don't we don't believe in this kind of lifestyle. Our our religion tells us that we can't explicitly support members of the LGBTQ community on Pride Night. And it's that kind of like specific counteracting that Mark Hanna is doing that I think is really important to have at the same time. Because in order to make people uncomfortable, in order to affect change, in order to explicitly state what is wrong and what it needs to be correct and what we should have pride about. I, f- I feel like you need to be specific about, about who you do support, who you accept it in as a member of the, of the community of fandom surrounding your team. And the more specific you can be, the, the better. Until more baseball players can start doing that, the notion of pride nights are going to continue to be framed as this thing that could be controversial when it's not and it shouldn't be. You know, we still have one team to hit on the other miss. We still have one team that just didn't do it, the Texas Rangers. And I mean, until there's like a critical mass of players who are like, no, I want this to happen. I understand why this needs to happen. I support I I support members of the queer community who want to come out and openly celebrate that they are members of the community of the queer community at the ballpark. Then, you know, like the Rangers are not going to be pressured to do this. They're not going to be forced to do this and understand why it was wrong that they didn't up until now. So good on Marcana and good on Taiwan Walker. I don't know about other, you know, hits, so to speak. I was not able to attend any specific Pride Nights. And we should say that not all of them have happened yet so far. There are still right. I think four or five that are coming in the last few days of June and maybe the first couple of days of July. Okay, Alex, next question. Any further thoughts from the Phoebe Bridgers show? Favorite song that she performed. My further thoughts from the Phoebe Bridgers show are, number one, live music is great. Number two, Phoebe Bridgers is excellent in concert. Number three, it's cool to have a therapy session with thousands of people all at once. Uh And number four, I got COVID from that concert. Those are my (laughs) thoughts. (laughs) Should we get you a shirt that said I went to a Phoebe Bridgers concert? And and all I I got was COVID, yeah. That's too easy. Um, my favorite song that she performed was uh, I Know the End. That was the song that she performed at the end of the concert. I Know the End. My, everyone specifically got to scream. The reason, yes, it was because everyone got to scream at the top of their lungs. How about you, Alex? What was your favorite song that she performed? 
Honestly, that might not even be true. That might not even be my favorite song that she performed. And she came out and she did the encore and she did Me and My Dog by herself. That's a boy genius song, but she did it. I really, I really like that song. It's really sad and sweet. And it sounded really good, like acoustic outdoors in that kind of venue. It was amazing. I loved Chinese Satellite. I, I, I mean, a lot of her music is so kind of ethereal and atmospheric that yeah. I kept turning to you and being like, imagine being the drummer for a Phoebe right. Bridgers concert. <laughs> and you just like for, for, for like an hour, you hit the drum like 12 times total. Yeah, yeah. And and a lot of her songs are obviously a little more low-key, so to speak. Um, and so it was really cool to see kind of how she changed the arrangements of a lot of her songs, especially the ones on, on the new album, to kind of fit a, a like large concert vibe, right? Having having big like drops in in the middle of a song when the when the drums come in or or something like that, right? I thought the the overall aesthetic of the show is gorgeous. I loved I know that one of your uh concert takes that you that you shared with me, one of one of many that you shared with me, uh, was that you're anti the the kind of media screens that yeah. are that are behind musicians as they play, that are oftentimes, you know, just playing something that's almost like the like Apple iTunes visualizer, you know, like, um, I thought, I thought hers was really cool. Hers was cool. Yeah. Hers was cool. I'm generally anti them, but that doesn't mean that there can't be like exceptions that prove the rule. I, I like the art of the concert backdrop. Uh I just prefer if it's like stationary. Right. It's just a little, it was a little distracting. It's a little distracting for me. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe that means that I just have a short attention span. Yeah, that's fair. I liked Graceland too, too. Yeah, I I also liked I liked Graceland too. Graceland too, also. <laughs> and Kyoto, obviously, which is like such a banger, such like such an incredible, incredible like tight songwriting. I know, it's so good, so good, never gets old. Tight in multiple ways, like that's tight, bro, and tight like not a wasted note. Right, exactly. Um. That was the Phoebe Bridgers concert. Okay, Gold Socks asks, I know you guys always mention and suggest other pods to listen to as they come up, but could you do a speed round suggestion list of your faves just so it's all in one place? I have a few that I will suggest really quickly while Alex assembles his list. Um, number one, Trillbilly Workers Party. Not like anybody needs us to suggest this podcast at the end of a Tipping Pitches podcast, but they're sort of um, like a better version of us, but they just don't talk about baseball. <laughs> um, they do a lot of bad take dramatic reading. So if you listen to that pod, you will you will probably identify some, I don't know, conversational inspiration to our show. Um, at least on my end. I don't know if Alex listens to that podcast. Uh, Batting Around, we shout them out all of the time. That is the companion baseball podcast, our podcast. And then I'll, I'll keep it short. The third, the, the third and fourth on my list. The third one is if you like basketball, particularly all kinds of basketball, not just not just the NBA. Um, Spinsters, which is made by my friends Haley O'Shaughnessy and Jordan Liggins and their production team. Um, they they I don't know. They talk about basketball in a different way than I've ever really heard anybody talk about basketball on a podcast. 
And then um, finally, I hope a lot of people listen to this podcast, listen to this podcast. It's called Revolutions. It's just a, it's a podcast made by Mike Duncan about all of history's revolutions. Not all of them, but many of history's revolutions. It's so in-depth. It's so well done. It Talk about tight. It doesn't waste a single minute. He just tells you what happened in a funny and interesting and direct way. And it's, it's really informative. I'm currently listening to, um, I'm like two-thirds of the way through like a 95-part Russian Revolution podcast. It's, it's pretty great. It's pretty great. Those are my four. How about you? I really haven't listened to podcasts as much lately, especially now that I don't like commute or, yes. or anything. Yes. Down with I'm, podcasts. This is my, this is my anti-podcast pivot. Yes. Um, there, are, there are a few uh, that stand out that I do come back to. The first is obviously 5460, the Joe West podcast. <laughs> For a second, I was like, what is that? I haven't heard of that. <laughs> uh, oh, man. You know, I actually, I haven't thought about this ever since we like did a, a bit about it, you know, when it first came out. It's usually I, I actually might go back and, and listen to some of these. Jerry Reinsdorf was on. Oh my god! Like really? Yeah, I feel like you have to do this. I kind of feel like I I need to do that from just a reporting perspective. Yeah. Okay. I'll I'll circle back with with that information. The actual podcast that I do uh, listen to is the Corp. A Rod's Barstool podcast. Is is he still doing that? I don't know. No, I don't think so. Hey, dude, we got we got some space on the feed over here. It feels like Adam Silver was probably like, wrap that one up, A-Rod. Right. <laughs> You're an owner now. We got some space on the feed over here. <laughs> Please do not hand out comp- <laughs> spots on the feed live on the podcast, Alex. Only to We're Alex 50, Rodriguez. 50-50 partners, man. <laughs> um, I really like the, pl- the podcast uh, series Blowback, which takes a look at critical moments in the history of the american empire right things like the iraq war and the cold war and their 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 third season that's coming up is about the korean war it's really it's a really great in-depth various wars various wars yes you you have the revolutions i've got the wars (laughs) um so i don't know if you know spoiler alert the revolutions take many wars yes yes So check it out if you're interested in, in history and or just hearing about our our ever-growing tentacles just fucking up various corners of the world. Uh, I like Drilled as well, which is a podcast about climate change that kind of takes it, that kind of uses the true crime format to talk about issues surrounding climate change today. It's really good. It's really creative as well. And that's another one that, that uh, big, big fan, big fan. And I love the New York Times podcast. That shit goes. Wow. John Caramonica is my boy. Let's go stumping for the gray lady at the end of the pod. Absolutely. You know, this is. I thought you were going to say the daily. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What? Yeah. Big Mikey Barbs fan over here. Can we get him on the pod? Probably. Um. There are so many more that I could shout uh, yeah. out, but but we don't have time. If you want to ask us more about podcasts that we listen to and other media that we enjoy consuming, um, please join us at the top tier of our Patreon at our live Q&As every other month. We do those every other month for the top tier of our Patreon. We have done one so far. It was phenomenal. 
many people showed up and asked wonderful questions. I know that's what I would say if nobody showed up and asked any questions, but it's actually true and you won't know for sure unless you sign up and come do it. It's patreon.com backslash tipping pitches. The Alex Rodriguez VIP club tier will get you access to that and many other things, including our newsletter, which is coming out later this week. Um, and you will also get yourself a shout out at the end of every episode. Five members of that club will get a shout out at the end of every episode. Those five members this week are Michael, Kyle, Shocker, Mike, and Arcee. Alex, anything else to leave the people with? $11 million. I'm not leaving the people with $11 million. <laughs> I was like, whoa, we <laughs> have $11 million? <laughs> that to Patreon give money is flowing. And we're just giving that it away? Is... I was like, dang, Uncle Sam coming or what? <laughs> that is Rob Manfred's salary, according to wow. the Washington Post. Wow. That's a reliable source. That's a, it is a reliable Almost. source, yeah. Like, pretty reliable. <laughs> Democracy dies in darkness. This podcast dies without knowing what Rob Manfred's salary is. <laughs> 11 mil. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Rob. It's, it's okay. It's pretty good. That's it's, okay. It's, it's not good. I mean, when like you and 60 I make million. Right. When you and I, well, that's the NFL. It's a whole different thing. That's yeah, like a yeah. sovereign state. Yeah. Um, when you and I make $11 million each from just this podcast, I mean, I know that Rob's 11 million kind of pales in comparison. Yeah. I'm sorry my brain just broke thinking about Rob Manford making $11 for going out there and saying dumb shit all the time <laughs> thanks for listening to another very unhinged episode of Tipping Pitches we will be back next week I can't stop warning you hello everybody uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez Tipping pitches. Tipping pitches. This is the one that I love the most. Tipping pitches. So we'll see you next week. See ya!